1: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Hello
2: and welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app, watch the show on twitch.tv slash betql on YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. James Harden is now a Los Angeles Clipper, and Rick Camp will tell us how to approach possible bets on them and the 76ers a little bit later. At 10 o'clock Eastern Time, Eric Kratz will tell us how to bet on Game 4 of the World Series tonight. And then at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, Brad Powers has his favorite plays on what promised to be one of the more monumental weekends of the college football slate so far. But first, Monday night football. The Detroit Lions knock off the Las Vegas Raiders 26-14. Detroit covers the minus seven. This game goes under the 46-and-a-half. As we all expected, rookie running back Jameer Gibbs goes off. What a monster night he had. It was a not-so-monster night for Jimmy Garoppolo, to say the least. Josh Jacobs goes under his 63-and-a-half rushing yards. Joe... Lions look good. Raiders look bad, just like we all expected, right?
3: Yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. Did they? Did the Lions look good? Honestly, I'm pushing my hate to the side. Like they failed four to five times in the red zone. It's probably one of those games where they knew, okay, we can just take the three, and we're probably going to be just fine. We're it's probably going to be a two score game in the very end, which it was. They ran all over them. We knew it was going to be a Gibbs game. Gets thirty one touches, one hundred eighty nine total yards. Amon Ross, St. Brown had his. There were standout players on defense. <laughs> defense, Anzalone. I mean, he was in the backfield the entire night. Uh, a couple know, sacks. I'm Tackles for losses, QB hits. It was all day. I mean, they dominated them in the box score, but it could have been so much worse. You know, like they just kept going to the getting there, and then they end up in these third and long situations. So, like, I guess we just got to take three points. We'll just keep taking three points. Um, yeah, I, I felt like the lines were a little lucky, not in last night, just how it uh, how it ended up. The Raiders were their opponent because they're a dumpster fire, man. I mean. Just everywhere yeah. you want to look, if we can start with Devontae Adams. Like He hates his quarterback. He should hate his quarterback. Right. How many times did he miss him while he was wide open? I don't want to kill Jimmy G too much because as much as he was getting hit, it looked like he was hurt. Maybe I'm giving him too much of the benefit of the doubt. Oh, but it's it's ugly, and I, I wonder if the Raiders make any move before this afternoon's deadline.
4: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Even you look at the box score on the Raider side. Oh, my gosh. Like, I cannot wait to hear what Devontae Adams is going to say after hmm. 11 yards, 11 yards. We're talking about a dude who was already mad. Now he only has 11 yards. He has got to be fuming. You've got to ask the question, is Jimmy G the guy? I mean, the coaching staff seems yeah. to think so, but they don't really have any options, right? It's just not working. I I was higher on Jimmy G when he first signed with the Raiders, but now I'm starting to think that the 49ers made him look better than he is. Either that or he's really banged up, but I am not high on Jimmy G right now. They've got to do something.
2: Even if Jimmy G were some kind of an answer to some kind of a test, even if it were just a, okay, they can make the playoffs with him. Is that really what you want to do if you're the Raiders? Because you've got a long way to go to catch up to the Chargers, much less the Kansas City Chiefs in your own division. And now it looks like the Broncos may be inching ahead of you as far as that's concerned. So regardless of whatever you think of Jimmy G, this is something where the Raiders need to be tanking right now so they can look to the future and finally get competitive again. Then again, I've seen how the Raiders have performed in the draft over the last few years. So maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe the whole thing needs to blow up. I don't know. But here's the thing, though. I would push back on this idea, Joe, that the Lions... You know, I I know what you mean as far as, okay, they weren't lucky per se, but maybe the game should have been a lot closer than indicated. I would push back on that one notion just because this Lions defense continues to impress. It's getting better and better. For next-gen stats, Lions defense generated pressure on more than 71% of Garoppolo's dropbacks. That's the highest pressure rate by a defense since 2018. And here's the crazy part. Pick your favorite O-line rankings. Nobody was coming in saying the Raiders' offensive line was terrible. At the very least, it was one of the strengths of this team, and absolutely they obliterated it. And it wasn't just Aiden Hutchinson. There were plenty of other guys who were able to get into that backfield on a consistent basis. This D-line is getting better and better by the day, and some of these pressures were quick pressures. Some of them weren't. Garoppolo was hanging on to the ball too long on many dropbacks. And so that's certainly a concern going forward, especially if you're under siege and you're just not trusting anything that you see that could cause uh, inaccuracies. But I look at this and I say, if Garoppolo is playing this poorly, then you need to be tanking right now and looking to the future because you have a lot of fantastic quarterbacks coming down the pike.
3: I just drafted one. And you don't know what he is. And yeah, he's a rookie and he's going to struggle. Play Aiden O'Connell. Why not? What do you have to lose at this point? Get an answer on the guy. Maybe it's a Titan situation. And the answer you get is, no, he ain't it. There's no reason in investing another season into him. Don't wait around and think, okay, maybe you can develop into a backup, develop into something down the road. Let's avoid the quarterback position. No, get an answer on these guys as quick as possible. What's the point of Jimmy G? What is it to be in the middle to keep fans interested? Doesn't make any sense to me on the Lions front. I would say, are they the Cowboys? As uh, Jason Lacafores says, do they punch down? That's my question, because a lot of those numbers that have been accrued by their defense, Raiders, Bucks, um, Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter. And then against the Ravens, how'd they do last week? Even against Geno, they gave up a ton. Week one, you do it without Kelsey. Like, you know, when they're facing good offenses, I'm not seeing this great lines defense. So that's that's where I would push back.
4: It's so funny you brought that up, because when you first said, I'm going to push my hatred to the side about the Lions, I literally thought the Lions are to Joe what the Cowboys are to me. And then you That's just fair. made that comparison, and I'm like, wow, I was literally thinking somewhat <laughs> similar lines there, because I just rip up the Cowboys every chance I get, and I think you do with the Lions. But we both have fair uh, arguments to do so. So, yeah, I think that's a good comp in terms of punching down.
3: I don't know that we're going to get an answer until we get to the postseason. So they go on by now. Then they've got the Chargers. Okay. They have a quarterback. Yeah, but everything else is in question, including the head coach. They haven't played the Bears yet. They get them a couple of times. The Packers, the Vikings, who know who the quarterback's going to be? I mean, there are (laughs) Minnesota two of the last three games. That's going to be a below (laughs) – NFL level quarterback. So we're probably, guys, we're probably not going to get the true answer for people that question them like me until we get to the playoffs.
2: Aaron's already breaking out the SAT analogies uh, here at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So uh, we are, we are definitely enjoying our Halloween here. The only thing too is like, look, even if the Lions are punching down, even if you're right, it's the NFC. The Lions could get right. the one seed and then almost who cares if they're only oh, punching yeah. down because that, that that may be all that matters. Like, okay, fine. Cool. Well, then they're going to get a really, really tough test come Super Bowl time. But then you're giving Dan Campbell two weeks to prep and then maybe they just, you know, catch lightning in a bottle and we go, all right, maybe this is one of the lesser impressive uh, Super Bowl championship teams. But at the end of the day, so what? They're definitely in the running for uh, the one seed in the NFC, something I know we will be talking about a little later on in the program when it comes to team futures and how to bet on those uh, through eight weeks. Meanwhile, let's talk a little basketball. Yes, NFL trade deadline is today, and certainly we have some thoughts about that in the early goings, but there was an NBA trade uh, last night, this morning. What was it? The news broke around 2, 3 in the morning uh, from Shams and Roge. <laughs> Uh, the Sixers traded disgruntled James Harden to the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, Sixers and Harden, PJ Tucker to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, KJ Martin, 2028 first round pick, two second round picks, uh, pick swap in 2029, an additional first round pick that will be routed from a third team, uh, sources told ESPN. So, yes, James Harden is finally an LA Clipper. We have been waiting for some time for that to break, and it finally did uh, very early this morning. As far as uh, my thoughts as the LA native in the group, if you look at basic catch all analytics here, James Harden is 12th in Darko, 16th in expected plus minus from Dunks and Threes. He's worth more than 11 estimated regular season wins. And Kawhi Leonard is fifth in both of these metrics. So you have two of the top 15-ish overall players in the NBA. And if you go by Darko and add Paul George to the mix, you have three of the top 15 players in the NBA. And so no other team is this top-heavy, Aaron. No other team is this top-heavy. And look, the Bucks, the Lakers, you know, the Celtics, a true holiday – these are other teams that are coming close to this mix, and we consider all of them, or if or not all, of them, or most of them, to be championship contenders. And so for the Clippers, I completely understand them making this move. Whatever you think of James Harden, at least I understand why they need to make it. Because, look, this championship window is closing with Kawhi Leonard and PG-13. So they also get to keep Terrence Mann, which was really important to them because they like him as that sort of positionless Swiss Army knife. I understand the baggage that comes with a move like this, but in a way it felt like it was a move the Clippers had to make. The Sixers certainly had to make that move. It could be addition by subtraction for them, but will it all work out to dethrone the Nuggets, the Suns, teams like that? That will be a challenge.
4: I mean, I would be shocked. I think I've bet on the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers are very much like the Chargers. You just keep waiting for them to put it all together. And then you place your future bets and they never cash. That is what's going <laughs> to happen once again. The Clippers and the injury issues. And now they're just a team of, you use the word baggage. Oh, yeah. You, NBA player, you've got baggage. Oh, come aboard. We'll sign you. Come play with the Clippers. I mean, Harden and Westbrook now playing together for the third time. These two guys are like the biggest misfits that nobody wants on their team. They're constant drama. And now they're once again teammates. Kawhi, don't even get me started. The dude's just injury prone. The whole thing is a disaster. I honestly would be shocked. And I am not putting my money on any Clippers futures, Joe.
3: Yeah, I wish I cared, honestly. Like, I'm so tired of the Harden thing. It's the same story again and again, and he's going to get upset, and he's going to demand a trade to be somewhere else. How many times are we going to say Harden part of a big three? How many times have we had this conversation throughout his career? If, if, if. First off, now you're putting the two biggest ifs in the NBA. It's every year. The Clippers, oh, if, if the Clippers, if the Clippers can stay healthy, they have this talented core. Their top two is as good as anybody's top two in the NBA, blah, 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 And it's the same thing with this dude that they're bringing in. He goes to Brooklyn, oh, how are you going to stop the big three? Reed Wallach's having a parade. Like, oh, yeah, you can't stop this. There's no way you're going to stop Kyrie and KD and and Harden. And, yeah, it was It happened. Oh, Philadelphia? Yeah, he got his guy. All right, Harden's going to be happy. It's going to work. Embiid, Maxie's going to get to that next level. Now, they have their big three. It's the same thing again and again and again. And I am not spending a dollar on any Clippers futures. And it's the same argument. And it's tired to me. They will not do anything. It's going to be the same thing. They're going to be a tease, and the number's going to be in that mid-range, and people are going to get talked into it, and thinking all these ifs come together, and it's not going to come together.
2: Yeah, <sighs> you might know. be right. You might be right. <laughs> we, we will find out soon enough uh, how yeah. well everything gels uh, out in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, World Series Game 3. Very interesting as far as the Rangers winning 3-1. to one. But Texas may have lost to Dulles Garcia. Max Scherzer had to leave the game early because of back issues. Yes, the Rangers are leading the best of seven series two games to one. But are they more vulnerable despite having a lead, Joe?
3: Who Texas now a minus 300 favorite just by taking that game last night. A minus 300 favorite now uh, to win the World Series. Yeah, so... Um, we've got those three games in three days, and due to the Scherzer situation only lasting 36 pitches last night, they the bullpen has to go six innings. This is a bullpen, as we've talked about, as everybody knows, not as deep as the Arizona side. And what do we have now? We have bullpen day in game number four. I understand yeah. why the Rangers, it's common sense that they should be the heavy favorite But there's a lot of reasons, I believe, to back the other side. And I think we're in for a long series. Somebody had to win game three and take the lead here.
4: And it feels like a momentum shift. Like the comebacker, the back spasms with Scherzer, everything just pointing towards I want to bet on the Diamondbacks now. So we'll see what happens. It's very interesting for sure.
2: Yeah, John Gray was uh, allegedly going to be the starter for game four for the Rangers, and now they're going to Andrew Heaney, which means it's also a bullpen game for them, as it already was for Arizona. So we will definitely break down this matchup and figure out how to bet on game four and beyond. Meanwhile, this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we get back to the NBA. Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and BetSports lends his expertise and early season insights right here on the BetQL Network.
0: toying with people now he's coming out and
3: he's got a 40 spot 42 for curry
0: he's special that's all you can say
3: this is betql daily presented by betmgm from betql
2: Welcome back to Make You All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and BetSpurts. Talk a little NBA here. And obviously the big news of the morning is James Harden has been traded from the Sixers to the Clippers. P.J. Tucker also part of the package in return. Philadelphia is getting Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and a bunch of draft picks. What does this mean for the Clippers and the Sixers? And... As far as the ceiling, can either of them conceivably win a championship now?
1: I'd still be very surprised if the Clippers could at this point. I I like the trade actually a bit for both sides. I think the Clippers did give up a ton in draft capital because something that just came out and it's fairly minutiae is that 2026 pick is from Oklahoma City. They're giving that up to get a pick swap from the Clippers in 27. So the Thunder are saying, We're going to be better than you in 27, so that's going to end up pretty great for us. You know, because when you bet on crazy things happening involving Russell Westbrook or James Harden and those teams, it's worked out pretty well for the team betting against them. I Mm -hmm. do think Harden is good for the Clippers in general because they need someone to organize their offense desperately. However, it can't be Harden ball. So if a lot of what was being said about him wanting to do the Harden thing is true, this isn't going to work, and I do want to know where the ball movement's going to come from because their their best connector that was with their starting unit was Nick Batum, and that's part of the reason I like him going to Philly a lot as part of, you know, basically defensive versatility goes from the Clippers to the Sixers. So while I think the, the Clippers, their ceiling's higher than it was, I don't think it's a title ceiling. I don't even necessarily know if it's a division ceiling. And for the Sixers, this is uh, – it's all about Embiid. Is he willing to say, hey, if Daryl Murray go to him and be like, look at all this stuff, we can be good. We can be better and have better fit now overall. Be good, maybe three, four seed and just hope to get to the conference finals this year, but in the offseason – we can really go at it because now they have max cap space and they have draft capital. So they could either take on someone via trade. They could work in free agency if they want to get maybe Siakam or Ananobi, something along those lines. There's a lot of options for Philly. So I like it for them long-term, short-term for the Clippers. I kind of get it, but I do think they gave up too much, but Tucker to fill out their team being someone that'll play a size role for them, even though he's short is should work out pretty well for them. But the Clippers, uh, the one thing I still worry about the Clippers a bit outside of all the obvious stuff is they got a lot smaller and not as deep.
3: Uh can looking forward to running down all your uh, calls on awards. Uh, still a lot of numbers that were available at the start of the season, still out there. And, you know, probably with the harder news in our space, a lot of the, the chatter would be what's an overreaction. And early mm-hmm. in the season, some things have gone as expected. Okay. Boston's undefeated. Your boys, the Denver Nuggets, still undefeated. Perfect 4-0 start for them. But then we've got the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that I was hearing a lot all offseason. Oh, don't worry about no jaw. It's going to be fine. I want to bet them for the number one seed. I want to bet them for best record. Here they sit 0-4. Any way-too-early takeaways on the Memphis Grizzlies?
1: I think the high-end outcomes are gone because a lot of those those thoughts were given before Steven Adams was ruled out for the year. And it sounds kind of dumb to be like, well, Steven yeah. Adams matters that much, but he really does for the way they want to play. They like to control the boards. They need someone to be real sturdy on the interior next to Jaron Jackson Jr. And he was able to do that. And, I mean, Xavier Tillman is serviceable. He's fine, but he's not really going to be above average at, at much of anything for you Adams matters so much for their pick-and-roll game because he's one of the best screeners in the league. He's a guy that cleans up the offensive glass really well. Uh, I, and also, there's just a bunch of other injuries for them. Yes, Jaw is out, but then you're losing some of your depth as well, and the depth has been one of the things that's helped Memphis over the last few seasons. So it'll get better, but those top-end outcomes are certainly off the table for them. If for no other reason than starting 0-4, it's tough to bounce back too much from that. And just seeing with no Steven Adams, I mean, they're really going to be thin on that front line. And if Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't better about getting his foul troubles under control to provide more stability, I mean, their rim protection could really take a hit.
4: Rick, I'm curious, uh, talking about the Grizzlies, just leading right into how you rate the Western Conference. We've got, obviously, the Nuggets as the favorite to win the West. And basically, the Suns are like co favorites because I'm seeing plus 270 for the Nuggets, plus 280 for the Suns. Then there's a big drop off. You got the Warriors 7 to 1, the Clippers 7 to 1, Lakers 9 to 1, Mavs 12 to 1, and then the Grizzlies 17 to 1, and then just keep going. So, wh- where would you be placing your futures, if any, right now, early in the season?
1: I think Denver's at a tier all to themselves right now and I'm trying to hold myself back a little bit just because I I've been on this team for for years like Joe knows this more than anybody but it's so easy right now obviously they're not as deep as they have been in the past even though their benches look good so far you have to avoid a major injury to Murray or Porter because even though there's plenty of jokes to be made about Michael Porter Jr., he does play a big role for them in terms of being a secondary rebounder, a guy who is just lethal from outside, and a guy who can create, like a tertiary creator. He can definitely do that. So all those guys are huge for them. Can they miss one of them for, you know, a shorter stint? Sure. Sure. But if any of those guys go out long-term, it hurts them. But I, I really think they're in a class by themselves right now in the West. There's just so many questions with everybody else. I think we might be doing what we did last year, and we're all just overthinking it a little bit. And they are the team. And right now, I'm very much wait and see with everybody else in the West. I don't feel any any rush to bet anybody else just because there's so many questions around every other team. I don't know with all the age in Golden State, same with the Clippers, and we got to see how it looks. You know, we've barely seen the Suns together. So they have some they have some depth pieces that have been playing pretty well. We might get to that in a little bit. But I mean, that's I just don't want to touch anything else in the West at the moment.
2: Rick, one last question before we move on from this James Harden trade. Are there individual awards that you would tail or fade because of this news?
1: I think Norm Powell is done for sixth man of the year. Bones Highland Mm -hmm. was already eating into his role a little bit, but now with the Clippers being so guard heavy, when is Powell going to close games? When is Powell going to hit 30 minutes? You know, are there going to be games where someone's sitting out and maybe they do that? Sure, but if it's Kawhi that's sitting, like you can't play a lineup with. Westbrook, Harden, Powell, and Paul George and with, let's say, Zubats or Tucker closing or whatever, that's just so small. So I think he's the guy that gets squeezed, and he's still right there in the odds board to where, unless there's a major injury, I don't know how he has enough of a role to win sixth man. So that's one that I, I think is totally off the table, and something that I think is, hey, he's the favorite, and he absolutely should be now and I think it was probably baked in anyway, but Maxi for most improved. I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have every opportunity to win that award. And the only question I really have is how many voters are going to say, well, he was already too good and he just can't win most improved because he was already there. Has he really gotten that much better or is it just, he's had more opportunity? I do think that's a question. However, he absolutely should be the favorite, and I'm very happy that you know you always have a future or something a bet that you totally forgot about that you made months earlier. I was going through I was going through uh, my open bets and I found a maxi 35 to one to win most improved from like late June. so I'm very happy about that uh, this morning as Maxi's definitely got every chance to win most improved.
3: Yeah, we're going to do that in about 10 minutes when we uh go to the graveyard and talk about our bets that are dead here on this Halloween. That's going to be a lot of fun to dig up those old wounds. Uh everyone talks about MVP and rookie of the year for obvious reasons. But it, you start going over most improved, run down the other awards that you like. And if the current number uh you find bettable because I know you've got plays on coach of the year um clutch player defensive player, like all those other awards outside of MVP
1: and um, rookie I know some of these are are pretty square with what has been said a lot preseason but Rick Carlisle Mm -hmm. in Indiana even though they take a tough loss to the Bulls last night that was kind of a weird game Uh, I, I like him because I think the Pacers could be pretty darn good in the Eastern Conference like kind of a best of the rest type situation where they're one of those teams that's fighting for that six seed. Uh, I I think that's absolutely on the table for them. And then I think they're definitely a play in team at a minimum. If Orlando keeps playing well, Jamal Mosley should be up there. And then out West I've been, I know I'm, I'm probably just, you know, a sicko with it, but if Minnesota can make it look good, Chris Finch is respected as a coach, as a tactician, And he can say, hey, this weird thing that my front office put together that probably the owners pushed for, I'm making it work. So if Minnesota is able to be like a a home court team in the first round or at least like pushing for in that 45 to 50 win range, I think they absolutely have an opportunity for Chris Finch to win coach of the year.
4: That's funny. You brought up the T wolves. Cause Paul and I were just discussing that last week. Like, do we want to get involved? I don't know. <laughs> Can they put it all together? Yeah. Let's look at tonight. We got a few games on this Halloween NBA slate. I'll open it up to you. Anything that stands out to you matchup wise? Cause I know not everything is posted this early in the morning.
1: One that I put in just before I came on with you guys, and it's a total just shot in the dark, Just noticing how few people are actually playing for the Clippers tonight because of obviously the trade, but also Terrence Mann is out. Zubats is questionable. Powell is questionable. They might only have eight or nine guys available. And they're playing the Orlando Magic, who are on the second night of an L.A. back-to-back. If there was ever a time for Russell Westbrook to get a triple-double, it's tonight. Uh. That is posted there's not many places they have it open right now, but if you build it manually, you're looking at about 28 to one. If you take the stock just to get a triple double, that's 25 to one. So if you want to you know, put a little something on that, I did it because at that point, why not? He's going to get minutes. He's going to get his counting stats. So I think it's it's absolutely worth a stab at that price. Another, I mentioned, you know, role players for the Phoenix Suns with Booker and Beal out. Jordan Goodwin was kind of a throw-in in in the Chris Paul trade and all the everything that went every direction. He's good. Like, at least good as a bench guy who can fill a role for you, like a bigger dude. He's like 6'3". He's been great on the glass. Four-plus boards in every game. And the the first game where Beal sat, I mean, his five plus boards was at about four to one. And that was, you know, that was a nice hit for me. But over rebounds for Jordan Goodwin, I'm assuming it'll probably post at like three and a half. If it's around three and a half minus 110, I think that's absolutely a play in that game. And then I haven't played it yet. I want to see what Wembanyama turnovers looks like because he's getting every opportunity to make all the mistakes right now, which is fine. That's what he should be doing, but it's also resulting in plenty of turnovers. And while Phoenix, you know, I don't know about their defense as much, especially for whoever would be guarding Wembanyama, you know, is that going to be Durant? They'll probably have him on there, but I don't know how much he's going to be pushing for uh, steals or anything like that, but the turnovers should be there. He's been around five each game. So I like Weminyama turnovers, Jordan Goodwin rebounds, and that Russell Westbrook triple-double is uh, something that's just – it's too tempting to pass right now.
2: Boy, we're getting retro when it comes to talking about uh, some key L.A. Clippers. That's how we know uh, we're in for a treat there. Uh, when I'm looking at the Knicks and the Cavs for tonight, uh, Cleveland at home, but they're two-and-a-half-point dogs. I I get that the Cavs last year seemed like a completely different playoff team versus a regular season team. Is that kind of the makeup of who they're going to be again, where certainly you can back them in key regular season spots, but we don't have a whole lot of faith in them once they get to the Eastern Conference playoffs?
1: Probably. I, I think so. Like right now I'm not sweating the Cavs not looking great right now because when you don't have Garland, Mitchell's questionable, like, they need their dudes. Like, they're not the deepest team in the world, and that's part of the reason that, you know, I like their I like their depth now a little bit better with getting Struess and Niang, and did they overpay for them? Yeah, probably, but, I mean, they were in a spot where they needed to, they absolutely had to get shooters to help space the floor for everyone they have, and obviously not having Jared Allen either puts a lot more on Evan Mobley's plate, but may also be an interesting opportunity for them to see what this team looks like with Mobley and no Allen. So yeah, regular season team. I still think they'll probably end up being close to 50 wins again good stuff rick camp from four for four
2: Bet spurts and the i'm fat podcast and you can see the artwork over his right shoulder nicely done there rick thank you so much for your time we greatly appreciate it this is betql daily presented by betmgm coming up next we go off the board on this halloween to bury our scariest and spookiest worst nfl bets right here on the betql network
0: We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Aaron Hawksworth to take us off the board.
4: Happy Halloween. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Joe Ostrowski, Eddie Gross, Aaron Hawksworth with you on this spooky day, very spooky. We have to go to the graveyard to find some futures that we place. I know for me personally, I kind of went crazy in the summer getting a little too excited about some NFL futures, specifically some overs that are dead, (laughs) dead, 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 bury them, nail the coffin shut. There's no way these are coming back to life, okay? Not even a mummy walking around will save these bets. So, Joe, do you want to kick, kick this off and start us off with one of your uh, graveyard bets?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I've got a lot of them. I, bringing up some uh, bad memories. Oh, yeah, we had that conversation that one day, one day and I talked myself into it. Uh, you know, this one is, uh, is a personal one, and I have to go back to week number five when it died. I'll count it as a futures bet. And you guys know how much Survivor means to me. I'm still not over the Commanders beating the Bears. Or the Bears beating the Commanders, rather. As I completely ruined that. Like, that's just... The Bears are an awful team. They are god-awful. And that was again on display on Sunday. And the idea of fading them is not the incorrect one. And I'm still mad that uh, I found out about the Dick Buckus news after... After the picks were locked in. <laughs> I'm not Maddie's dead. I'm mad that I found out too late, apparently. <laughs> um, kidding. Uh, but yeah, I'm still, that still gets me. The commanders and survivor, I'm going to count that. You know what's funny is if we do this two weeks ago, we're probably including Niners under 10 and a half wins, right? Mm-hmm. I
0: don't
2: mm-hmm.
3: think we include that today i I would have done that and now we don't we don't include that here here's another one i haven't even checked because i don't think it's going to win but okay on fridays we go over weekly leaders and i thought i was on the weekly leaders tab and i was not on the (laughs) weekly leaders it was the sunday leaders after swift had a great game on thursday and for some reason, I was so tired and drunk on Fridays, which is usually the case, that I thought it was a bet on Swift to be that week's leader. And I may have bet it a couple times. No, it was a season leader bet for rushing leader, which I got at 20 to 1. And let's see, he's fourth uh, behind, jeez, Zach Moss is second in the NFL at rushing? Yeah. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. But anyways. <laughs> Swift is probably not going to catch McCaffrey. Uh, it is less than a hundred lead, but that was just that was a mistake bet. I think we've all made mistake bets, and I mm. I mistake mistakenly made that bet a couple times.
4: <laughs> Some I wish were a mistake, but I was just an idiot to place it. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. What you got, Ed?
2: You know, and that that moment was really funny, too, because there was that kind of professorial approach that I remember. It's like, guys, make sure you shop around. Make sure you can find the best number here. It's really. And then
3: you're on the wrong tab, you idiot.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. That was that was amazing. Uh, okay. so one Joe that you and I need to share and kvetch about right now that is absolutely dead We both believed in the incredible value in the Green Bay Packers to win the NFC North. It is dead. Absolutely dead. Jaws of life. Aren't saving that one. It's not just because the lions are really, really good, but the fact that Jordan love can't even beat the Vikings defense. That's obviously rebuilding. The only thing they do is have Daniel Hunter and blitz a lot. And Jordan love still couldn't beat that. I mean, here is a quarterback who we had all the faith in the world in thinking, okay, you know, the Packers don't have bad quarterback play. They just don't. Historically, they're going to be just fine. Oh, they've been anything but just fine. The Packers are absolutely not making the playoffs. They are not winning the division whatsoever, and yet we bet on them to win it because we thought there was great value there in the unknown, thinking, oh, the Lions can't be that good. Vikings coming back down reality. The Bears stink oh no, like had the Kirk Cousins injury not happened, the Vikings could make the playoffs. Very, very different story for the Packers. And so that one's definitely dead to Mm -hmm. rights. Uh, Another one, and and this was such a weird bet for me to make, but I had the Tennessee Titans to score the fewest points in the NFL. And this one is absolutely dead. Not necessarily because I really believe in Will Levis. Not at all. Otherwise, he would have started week one. It's not because I believe in Derrick Henry. Heck, he could be traded later today for all I know. But definitely it's none of those things. They have 132 points. That's not a lot. But five AFC teams have fewer, much less a handful of NFC teams. And so as far as the standings are concerned, the Titans are dead there. But the team that will win this honor that I can safely say will do so midway through the season, it's the New York football Giants. They have not scored 100 points in the season yet. The only team yet to break triple digits for the entire season. They haven't had their bye week yet. they played up. one more game than a lot of teams, and they still haven't cracked a hundo yet. Too many more putrid offenses out there. The Tennessee Titans are not going to score the fewest points, and so that bet is, that bet is absolutely dead. And i got to mention a college one here real fast. I was definitely on Clemson to win the ACC. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Dabo Sweeney yelling at callers who are understandably frustrated by everything going on within the football program. Meanwhile, all these other teams with transfers and hotshot young coaches, like they seem like a lot more fun to be rooting for. Meanwhile, Dabo Sweeney is insanely old school and the results aren't bearing out all the belief in the world that they can return to glory. And they're nowhere near that right now. And Sweeney's yelling at fans over the phone because of it. Yeah, that bet's dead. Forget
3: it. I thought about that bet on Saturday when the Clemson lost again and they're sitting Mm -hmm. like how far they have fallen. My goodness. I want to piggyback off something you just said. With with one of the, your bets, I'm not promoting parlays, but this is a fun wager I make every year before the start of the NFL season. I put together a parlay of division winners: Dallas, Seattle, Jacksonville. Not bad. Buffalo still alive. KC and Green Bay. Three hundred and forty one to one. that's the one that that's the killer like i knew we were going to mention the packers in this segment because we talked about the idea what if with jordan love but then i then i'm like oh my god i completely forgot about this i saw this in the open tab i'm like are you kidding me that's legit until you get to green bay
4: (laughs) oh man so i'm gonna start with my spookiest one of all try to contain your laughter please for this one speak i don't know if i up. was drunk i don't know what happened here <laughs> but i must have just gone down a very uh dark path when i thought this was a good idea
3: let's go let's go i can't even say it here
4: we go that's a hundred and one. oh NF- no NF- <laughs> NF- nfc west most regular season passing touchdowns what i <laughs> I thought oh my god, I remember that was now. What happened to Matthew Stafford? Stetson what? Bennett was gonna be the guy. Sean insane. McVay was gonna turn him into an absolute it's stud. Insane. It's an insane wager.
3: <laughs> oh my god. I do not remember this. I remember there was a day where you kept talking about Stetson Bennett. And yeah. I don't know yeah. what happened, but I didn't know it was most touchdown passes in the division. <laughs> when he's probably sure gonna have was. the least <laughs> he's not
2: playing yeah. he's hurt <laughs> right he's gonna have the least
4: yeah, yeah. I so will have awesome. as many was,
2: as he has
4: that was a beauty Paul mark this down oh, we're not one. doing division leader futures next year because I was a sucker <laughs> oh I was on vacation several. that week
3: I, I heard was a that sucker. you guys you were. did that a lot
4: here's Thank another God. one you ready for this one my guy yeah. shows up big in the playoffs last year. Kenneth Gainwell. Two hundred to one. NFC East most regular season rushing yards. Guess how many he has so far this season? Ready? It looked great after week yards. one. It looked great after week one. Three yards. We are almost like wow. there's guys who rush for more than that in one game. This guy threw almost halfway through the season only 153 rushing yards. What are we doing? Of course, hey. it was 200 to one. <laughs> bad, 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 bad. Spooky. <laughs> Completely dead.
3: Do you know who the NFC East rushing leader is?
4: I don't even want to know.
3: Swift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh yeah 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 that's right well, at
4: least someone on this show is winning something
3: i didn't bet that <laughs> wish i did uh, yeah right man. can we go to jake because i i think i have one written down that, that he's going to mention as well go ahead jake
0: yeah i mean you knew it was gonna come up i think if it, it's one wanted- R.I.P. to Jeffrey Springs. I mean, that was fun for exactly eleven days. Literally, (laughs) exactly eleven days. It was great. Two hundred to one. Me and Joe are. This pump in every start. It's I got Joe Ostrowski texting me positive things that never happens. <laughs> and then, and then on the eleventh day, his elbow just explodes, leaves the start, and then I'm, I get like seven tweets in a row. Springs left the game. N- nothing happened. Holding his elbow. I got Joe O texting me. Are we done with? And we just and we just lose. But then. On the flip side, I got Drew Rasmussen, 201. I'm like, all right, yeah. here we go. New ace of the race. His elbow explodes about two months later. So RIP to those, extremely spooky uh, with those two. Oh,
3: really no
2: funny. one Here's wants another you to one. bet on them, Jake. Their elbows Here's, will explode.
3: Another futures bet that probably was never going to live, but it was a good number and uh, just hurt right after I made it. Justin Fields Comeback Player of the Year. <laughs> he got hurt right after. And all we've seen is the this awful thing called the Bajency. And we're going to see it again this weekend.
2: Amazing.
3: <laughs> Who are they going to lose,
2: Joe? Like, the Bears are sellers, right? Like, we're stuck with this Bajency now.
3: Nobody wants anything <laughs> from them. Nobody wants anything.
2: Yeah, it's discount shopping at this rate. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, former Major League catcher Eric Kratz joins us with all of his angles for the World Series with Game Four tonight. That's right here on the BetQL Network.